Okay, hi everybody and welcome to Bible study with Bumi. And in today's Bible study, it's going to be quite practical. It's a practical way to get the word of God into you. So practical steps to take to getting the word of God into you. If you are a Bible person, maybe a Bible junkie, you think, you know, well, there's nothing for me to learn here. Please don't go away. Stay with me as we go on this journey. You might pick up a thing or two, or you might, some things might be affirmed to you that at least make you know that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right thing. And so I first of all wanted to say that the word of God is fundamentally important for us as believers, as Christians. We need the word of God. We can't get away from the word of God. And if you don't know that, and if you don't understand that, it's easy to not prioritize the word of God. I meet people and they tell me, oh, I love your relationship with God, but I'm struggling to read the Bible every day. I'm struggling to grow my relationship with God. And when they say it, a part of me almost wants to say how, <laughs> but having been there and now on the other side of it to some extent, I understand. I understand that, yes, it can feel like a struggle, but here's something that you might not want to hear, but you have to understand that you prior, you, 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 you spend time on the things that you prioritize. I'll say that again. You spend time on the things that you prioritize. So if your relationship with God is important, you will prioritize it. And if it isn't important or it isn't as important as some other areas of your life, you won't prioritize it. And this is not to have a go at anybody, but to say that the evidence of your desire is seen in your pursuit. The evidence of your desire is seen in your pursuit. It's also something I say to single ladies when I'm coaching them and when I'm talking to them and teaching them. And I say to them, if a man isn't chasing you, then maybe he doesn't desire you. So don't think that, oh, see, you don't see a guy that you think is attractive. You might have even had some conversations with him. And then you think that maybe he desires you. No, if he isn't making the effort, then he doesn't desire you. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something that you need to understand so you can then act accordingly. And the same way that I say that with singles and just relationships is the same way we must look at our relationship with God. The evidence of your desire is seen in the actions that you take every day. But you must know why we should take in the word of God and why we should build a relationship with God. But the focus of tonight is taking in the word of God, bringing the word of God inside of us, because the more you know, the better you will live is the simple answer I can give. The more of the word of God that you know, the more of the Bible that you know, the more revelation that you have, the more you know, the better you will live the better you will experience, the better things will be for you. So I want us to look at a few Bible verses as we go into today's Bible study. I want us to look at John chapter 17, John chapter 17, verse three. That's the first one. I'll read from verse one. And the title of that particular part of the Bible in John chapter 17, the title that's put there is the prayer of Jesus. You know, Jesus prayed. The Bible talked about how Jesus would withdraw and go and pray. And for once, we get to see the kind of prayers that he prayed. He prayed in different ways. But then in this case, we get to see his heart, what is important to him. And so it says in verse one, but our key verse is verse three. That's where we're going to. But I'll start from verse one. I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. It says, 
after saying all these things, Jesus had been talking to them about the Holy Spirit and about and about abiding and all of that. So that's John 14, John 15, and John 16. And then you now get to John 17, and Jesus wants to now pray. And he is praying for the people that have been with him. So his prayer is very specific. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. The hour being, it was time for him to be crucified, to go to the cross, to die for the sake of all of humanity. He says, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Verse three says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Jesus said it is important. It is imperative if they're going to experience eternal life and eternal life here is not just getting to heaven, but if they're going to experience the kingdom of God here on earth as well, they're going to need to know you, the only true God. Jesus wasn't mincing words. He wasn't saying, oh, they need to know God. No, he was saying they need to know you, the only one that you're the only true God. And then he said, and they need to know Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. If you don't spend time reading the word of God, you cannot know the only true God and you can't know Jesus Christ. I remember that part of what got me on this journey of even spending a lot more time with my Bible. I used to read my Bible a lot. I already, I've been doing it for years. I've been doing it since I was in my, easily in my thirties. I'm now in my forties. Um, So you know that I've had, um, I've had years, I've had at least a decade, if not more, and it's probably more than that, but at least a decade of spending time with God in the word of God. But I have to say that there was a turning point around 2017, 2018 time that something started stirring inside of me that I wanted to know God more. And I know I knew that I couldn't do that outside of the word of God. So I started some simple things and I'll talk about some of those simple things. I started some simple things, doing some things just to get to know God. And Jesus, when he's talking here, when he's praying here, he says the same thing that they need to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. And I talk a lot for those who have been in this bible study for a while you'll be used to me talking about how you must know the word of god how the word of god is vitally important for us as believers how we can't make it through without the word of god and how do we know this because of the word of god in itself it tells us again in another book now we're going to read matthew chapter 4 verse 4 and it says, but Jesus told him, this is the temptation of Jesus. The devil comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, this is what I want you to do. And Jesus says, absolutely not. And Jesus said, to, and Jesus told him, I'm reading the New Living Translation again. He said, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And actually he was referring to Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 and we've talked we've talked about Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 and 3 in the Bible study that we had two two previous sessions ago so you can listen to that on the podcast because it was actually quite encouraging anyways he says people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God how will you know what comes from the mouth of God the word of God is a documentation of the things that have come from the mouth of God, at least in a practical sense. You know, when people come to me and say, oh, I want to hear God. I say, read the Bible. That's God. 
God is all written there. All the different things he has said. And people are like, well, but I want to hear him for my job and all of that. And we'll, there are some verses that we're going to touch on that will refer to that. But I always say start with at least reading his heart concerning you. Start with the things that he has said already. Start with the things that he has referred to. At least start there. That way you begin to get a sense of the person that you're dealing with. You know, why else should we take in the word of God? The word of God tells us in Psalm 119. I really like this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalm 119. And I knew it from when I was single. I just used to always say it to myself. Oh, and it says in verse 105, it says that the word of God is a lamp. Your It says in the New Living Translation, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In another version, let me try another version for you. In the English Standard Version, that's the ESV, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the TPT, that's the Passion Translation, in the Passion Translation, it says, truth, truth, that's the truth of God's word, truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. You know, when you have revelation of the word of God, it literally makes the path that you should take clear. When you know the word of God, it makes decision easy. That's what it says. It says the truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. That's what the Passion Translation says. And it says the revelation of your word. But if you don't know the word, how will you have revelation of a word that you don't know? The word of God is that important. The word of God, it says your word is truth. John 6, 63. It says your word is truth. And now Psalm 119 verse 105 says, truth, truth shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. Because when I know the truth, it guides me, it leads me, it tells me the way that I should go. In fact, the word of God says in John, in the book of John, John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 31 to 32. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. In another version, he says, the truth that you know will set you free. This is why you need to know the word of God. Because there are many of us who are living in fear, who are living in bondage, who are living a substandard and a mediocre life because we don't know what the word of God says about us. It is one of the biggest shifts that has happened to me in the last two years. Knowing what the word of God says about me. For example, when I say to people that the word of God tells me that in John 3 verse 16, this is just, I'm just giving you an example of how the impact of the word of God makes such a difference. When I, when I tell, when I tell people that the word of God in John 3 16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life that word 
that word has changed my life forever. How has it changed my life? First of all, it says that if I believe, meaning I don't need to do much to have eternal life, the responsibility I have is to believe in the Son of God. And that if I believe in the Son of God, that I will never die. And never die is not that I will not die in the flesh. This flesh is a decaying is a decaying organ if you could call it that like my body is going to decay it's going to die but the true me the spirit will never die and that settles the issue of i once saved forever saved if you have eternal life it is eternal never ending you do not pick it up and put it down pick it up and put it down it is why you don't need to keep giving your life to God multiple times over. It is a one-time thing. It's a one-time event. And you'll be like, well, but I'm not living right. I have, I still steal. I still lie. I still do all these poor things. I'm just so sad. I didn't read my Bible as much. I've not read my Bible in months. And you have all these reasons why you should give your life to Christ again. But let me tell you, you don't need to. You don't need to. When you gave your life to him, it wasn't something he it says it's, and I'm going to go and find it. It's in John chapter 10, I believe. It's not here and it wasn't part of my original study, but I want to share it with you. It says in John chapter 10, verse 28. John 10, 28, Jesus is the one talking. It's red letter in the Bible. It says, I give to them the gift of eternal life and they will never be lost. And no one, no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. That I have taken them, nothing can take them away. No demon. How do I know this? Go to the book of Romans. And this is why you need to know the word of God. And I know we're going to get to the practical bit. But this feels like a place that the Holy Spirit wants us to go. So I want us to go there. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says, Ooh, verse 35, Romans 8.35, verse, and I'm still reading the Passion Translation. It says, who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one, for nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. And remember that John 3.16 said, for God so loved the world. That his love has given you something. Romans now says, Paul now decided to unpack it for us and said, that love, nothing can take you away from it. If it has given you, and he says, I've given you a gift. No one can snatch you from your hand. But then Paul unpacks it even further and says in verse 35, he says, who, can, who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? God's anointed one being Jesus. Absolutely no one, for nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. They are all important. Like there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. There is nothing that can separate you 
from the eternal life that you have received. He says the, the version, one version, I think it's either the NIV or the ESV says of that chapter in John chapter, that um, verse in John chapter 10, it says, no one can snatch them from my hand. It says, I give them eternal life, verse 28 of John chapter 10. I'm reading it in the NIV. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you even continue and read verse 29, it says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hands. I am the father I want. Meaning no one can snatch them out of Jesus's hands. No one can snatch them out of the father. No, you, your salvation is secure once and for all. And we have a Bible study called Let's Settle This Salvation Matter. It's one of the ones we've done in the past. So you can listen to it. Um, And so you must settle it in your heart that the word of God is vitally important for you. Why else is the word of God important? If you read the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one tells us, it says, keep this book. I'm reading the NIV now. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meaning speak the word of God always on your lips. And I'll talk about that in a second when I share the practical um, things you can do. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If we read it in another translation, because I like multiple translations to drive home the point. It says, study. The New Living Translation says, study this. Of the New Living Translation of Joshua chapter 1 says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you are required to read the word of God day and night, day and night. He says, meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Like if you don't meditate, if you don't think on it, it will not settle itself in your mind and in your heart for you to be able to live it out. He says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. It is that important. It is that important. That is why we take in the word of God. That is why we spend time reading the Bible. This is why it's important. But why else is it important? I already told you that John chapter 8 verse 31 to 32 tells us that the truth that you know will set you free. It will give you freedom. It will deliver you from fear. It will deliver you from fear. It will, it will literally change the trajectory of your life. And you know, I remember when I was explaining in one Bible study where I said my take on deliverance is that it is the truth that you know that sets you free. It's one thing for a person to pray for you to be free from a demon. But the Bible tells us in one of the parables of Jesus, he said that if a demon is cast out and then it goes and it, it goes around, it doesn't find where to settle, then it comes back and he finds the place that it, it, it left. It finds it empty. He says, what will it do? It will go and bring other demons and say, come, there's a great host for us here. The reason why the truth is what sets you free and why a deliverance session alone, a deliverance prayer cannot really set you free in the way that you want is that it is truth that literally fills up the void. 
when you know the truth about who you are in Christ Jesus, there's a way that you walk. So for example, in one of the early morning prayers that I lead, we read the book of first Corinthians and he talked specifically about how we have everything. Imagine if you understand that you have everything, then why are you begging God for everything that you already have? It says in another part of the Bible, it says that God has already given us mercy. Imagine then begging God for mercy when he has already given us mercy. These are things that are sitting comfortably in the Bible. And why you need to spend time taking in the word of God on a regular basis. The other reason why you also want to take in the word of God is found in Hebrews the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That if you, list, if you literally sit with the word of God, do you know that you can literally drop addictions just by reading the word of God every day. Did you know that? Why? Because the word of God is living and active. One of, I, I've heard a testimony that something that Andrew Womack, a pastor in America did. Someone came to him, he had an addiction and he said that the person came to him, I have this addiction. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done all these prayers and he still won't go. And Andrew Womack said, do you pray in the spirit? He said, yes. He says, do you have a Bible? Yes. Okay. For the next, I think, 21 days, I want you to read your Bible for one hour every day. Come back after 21 days. And if it is still not, if you still have the problem, I will pray for you. The guy came back after 21 days and said, nothing. Addiction gone. Zero desire for the thing that was he was addicted to. Zero desire. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 12, for the word of God, I'm reading the ESV, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Like it can literally separate things from you, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is why the word of God is important. This is why you take in the word of God every single day. It's like, saying that you want to grow but you won't eat food if you don't eat food your body is going to eventually pack up and die you have to picture your reality your spiritual your spirit as one that needs the word of god to become more mature your spirit is great it's perfect but how do you then grow as a person how do you become spiritually mature as a person by reading the word of god the word of god is the food that you need you are a spirit being first the food that your spirit needs is the word of god let's read ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 and it says is from verse 13 to verse 14. I'm reading it in the Amplified. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, that in bracket, in upwards, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. 
so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. If you don't read the word of God, people will bring things to you and you will take it hook, line and sinker without questioning it. And you can't question, you know, and then when you try to say, oh, I don't think this sounds right. Tell, tell me something that is, tell me where the truth is. You need to know the word of God. You know, sometimes I hear some preachers, they're preaching and as they're talking. So for example, or when people are praying, let me give you an example. People start praying, oh, father, I'm a wretched sinner. When they say that, I'm like, no, I'm not with you. And I'm not saying that from a place of pride. Just from the reality that I now know based on the word of God, I am not a sinner. He says, Christ has redeemed me. I am redeemed. I am saved. I am literally, he has taken away all my sin. That's what the book of Colossians tells me. That he has taken away my sin, made me holy and blameless. When people say, oh, we're trying to do all these things. Oh, we won't wear earrings so that we can be holy. My holiness is not based on my earrings my, or my lack of it thereof. My holiness is based on what Christ has done for me. And the Bible says that for us to reach the fullness of Christ, fullness, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, that's manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. You can't reach that completeness, if you don't know the word of God, you need to know the word of God. What else, why else do you read the Bible and why else do we take in the word of God? Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 tells us all scripture. I'm reading the amplified. All scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instruction for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. I know it feels like a mouthful, but basically the scripture has been God breathed. So it was God that inspired men to write the scriptures. And when they wrote it, they wrote it so that we could be instructed on the way that we should live. If you read, for example, the book of Colossians, there's a whole raft about Christian living. And it's four chapters. It doesn't take that long. You can read the book of Colossians in about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. So really, it's not that hard. Remember what I said right at the beginning, that the evidence of your desire is seen in your pursuit. If you say that you want to grow, if you say that you want to live according to God's will for your life, you have to read God's will for your life. He says, if you want to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, it is in the scriptures. It is the scriptures that shows you how to do that. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, and then we'll go into the practical tips. Second Peter chapter three, and then one last scripture before we go into the practical things that you can do. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18 says, it says, but grow spiritually mature in the grace and knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, honor, majesty, splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. It says grow spiritually mature. That you need to grow spiritually mature. And it is in the grace. Grace is what God has given unto us through Christ Jesus. And knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like if you know God and you can't know him outside of the word. You can't know God outside of the word of God. And, you know, I'm going to stop with this last one. There are many more reasons why you need to take in the word of God. But let me give you one last one. Romans 10 verse 17. Romans 10 17 says, and I'm reading it in the um, ESV. That's the English Standard Version. It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In the King James, it says through the word of God. If you want to increase your faith, read the Bible. If you want to increase your faith, read the Bible. If you want to increase your belief, you want to increase your convictions, because that's what faith is. Faith is belief. Belief in what? Believe in what Christ has done, which isn't usually visible first. Then you're going to have to read the word of God. It says faith comes by hearing. Remember that earlier on we said the that this book of the Lord does not depart from your mouth. You read the word of God. And this takes me to the practical things. Like, okay, so how do we take in the word of God? Okay, Bumi, you've told us why we should take in the word of God. But how? How do we take in the word of God? Joshua 1, it said to us that we should read it. That it should not depart from our mouth. So we should read the word of God. And he said we should meditate on it day and night. He said this book of the Lord should not depart from mouth. Let it continually be in your mouth. Continually means something that you do all the time. If you do it all the time. But it then says meditate on it day and night. So you need to read the word of God. And I always recommend read it audibly. Read it. Apart from reading it to, with your eyes, read it audibly. Why do you read it audibly? It engages your senses. See, the things that you remember are the things that you said. More often than not, you are more likely to remember things that were said audibly. The things that were said audibly are the things that you are more likely to remember. I'm not saying that you can't remember the thing you read with your, just by reading silently. You can read silently and you should read silently. But read audibly so that you can engage all your senses and you are more likely to remember what you read. That's why you read the word of God out loud. But the Bible also tells us that read the word and put it on your mouth. That's an instruction. If the Bible says do it, then why won't we do it? Or somebody said, oh, well, that's an old covenant. But then when Jesus was going to read the Bible, he read it audibly for all of us to hear. Read the Bible audibly. Practical step one. And I'm not, it's not like a four step thing, like, oh, follow these steps and this. no, I'm just giving you things that can help you to take in the word of God. It's not a formula. I think I should say that this is not a formula. This is just what I have done and I have learned through the scriptures and learned from other Christian leaders. And I have found that it is working. The second thing I would say is one of the other things that helped me to get in the word of God a lot quicker as well was I listened to it in audio. So I would be driving, I would listen to the Bible in audio. I'm cooking, I would listen to the Bible in audio. I'm getting my kids ready in the morning, I'll listen to the Bible in audio. I'll put my AirPods in and I'll be listening to the Bible as I'm getting them ready. You know, listen to the Bible in audio. The same way you listen to audio books and you take in the information, you can take in audio. You know, sometimes we think that, oh, if it's in audio, then I'll miss something. It doesn't matter. You listen first. I can tell you that there'll be a day when you a verse will come to your mind and you will think, I don't even know what that is. I don't remember that. 
It's probably because you listened to it in audio. There are so many scriptures that have come to me over time that I know that I sometimes didn't necessarily read it with my mouth and my eyes, but I heard it with my ears. So read, listen to the Bible in audio. And, you know, in terms of practicality, the YouVersion Bible app has many Bible translations that have been recorded in audio. So, excuse me. So just take one and listen to it. Listen. You want to get more of the word of God inside of you, literally listen to the Bible in audio. The third thing I would say is set aside time to study the word of God. You have to study. The Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved. You have to study the word of God because that's how you dig deeper into the things that you are learning. The same way that you study for your exams to increase your understanding so that when you then go into the exam and answer the question for that particular exam, whether it is an accounting exam or it's a medical exam or it's your the call to bar for the law for the law people, you take time to study. You don't just read. You, re you literally take time to sit, make sure that you understand what you're reading. That's what studying is about. So get a journal, make notes, read multiple translations, read commentaries. If there are commentaries attached to it, read commentaries. You can find commentaries online. You can get buy yourself a comment, Bible commentary. Like there are things out there. There are things out there that can help you in your study of the word of God. Because the more you know, the better you will live. But the more you know comes from how much time you spend. And you know, if I even go back to when you read the Bible, or no, let me take it, let me continue because I actually wrote it down. The next thing I would say is meditate on the word of God. That's how you take in the word. So you read a Bible verse. You read an account of something. I remember once reading the account of the prodigal son. And you know, everybody's very focused on how the prodigal son is, is was badly behaved. How dare he go and ask for his inheritance? His father wasn't dead yet. And I read and I said, I remember this particular one. I was going for a walk because I will read the Bible in the morning and then I'll go for a walk and I'll be praying in the spirit as I'm walking. Maybe I'll be listening to the Bible in audio or I'll be listening to worship music or something if I'm not talking to like a friend or something <laughs> because that sometimes happens as well. Um, and I remember just thinking, why, why was he so bold? To even ask his father for his inheritance. Because I'm sure none of us would dare go and step to any of our parents today and say, oh, by the way, you should give me my inheritance now. I'm sure your parents would be like, are you trying to kill me? Do you want me to die? <laughs> Do you get what I mean? And I thought to myself, and as I thought about it, I was thinking about it. I was, I was thinking, thoughts kept going over and over. I'm like, Why was he so bold? And I thought he must have had a great relationship with his father, that he could walk up to his father and ask him for something like that. And that his father loved him enough to answer him. And that even made me think, oh my God, the father loves me so much. He will give me what I want, even though sometimes he knows I can't handle it. <laughs> even though there are times that he will say, you know what, I'll wait for you to grow. <laughs> so I can give it to you and know that you will handle it well. That's what 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us. That God is not slack concerning his promises, but he is, he, he, and he doesn't delay as some consider delay, but he's waiting for all to come to repentance. And you know, when people read the word repentance, they immediately think of sin. No, but the word repentance is to change your mind, to change your thinking. If the, God is saying, I know what my promises are, but, and I will give it to you, but I need you to change your thinking. That's what 
happened with the prodigal son. But if I wasn't meditating on it, how would that have come to me? Let me give you another example of meditation. I remember I was listening to the Bible in audio. I was actually listening to the Bible in audio. And I was, um, and as I was listening, it came to the account of the crucifixion of Jesus in John, I think it's John, that's John 18 or 19, um, where they're, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, the Bible says that Jesus um, saw his mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus was there. And the, the John always called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how John always referred to himself. That's not John the Baptist, now John the disciple. Um, so John was standing there and Jesus said to his mother, um, today, he said to John, this is today, she is now your mother. So he handed his mother over to John, almost like giving him custody of his mother. And then he said to his mother, today, this is now your son. Because he knew he was going to die. He was hanging on the cross. He was going to die, obviously. And as that happened, I thought, why would he do that? He had brothers. At least we know he had brothers. Why? Because, like, I think John, maybe John 13 or John 12 had said there was a festival and his brothers, um, and they referred to his brothers. So I know that he had brothers. Jesus had brothers. The Bible has multiple accounts that he had brothers. Um, James, was James, one of the apostles later, is one of his brothers, um, or one of the like the founding fathers of the early church. Um, and as I'm thinking and thinking, why would he do that? He had brothers. And I know that, yes, it was a patriarchal society. She needed a man. You know, the, when, it, when the story of the widow of Nain comes up, it makes you realize how patriarchal the society was because the Bible says that the son that died was her only son. And she was weeping. Why? Because she didn't have a male covering. And you, your voice won't get hurt in the places that matter, if there's no man to speak on your behalf because they won't let you in. <laughs> they won't let you in to talk. <laughs> so, you know, when he was, I was thinking, why would he do that? And then the Holy Spirit took my mind. As I'm thinking it, med remember, meditation is thinking over and over, considering, looking at a topic, taking it apart in your mind and saying, okay, here. And then as I was doing that, the Holy Spirit took my mind to the story that I just referred to in John, I think it's John 13, where he says about um, Jesus' brothers and this festival. And he says, oh, you should go to the festival so you can show yourself. You don't want to be doing all these miracles and signs and wonders in private. You want to go and show people what you can do. And the Bible puts a line in there. It says, because Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. Jesus had promised them in John 14 that the Holy Spirit was going to come. Towards the end of his life, as he's talking with disciples, um, and if you of the chapters in the Bible record this account. Like he tells them that the Holy Spirit is going to come, that they should tarry, they should not go anywhere. He keeps telling them that the Holy Spirit is going to come. Then I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay. So why did he hand her over? Because his brothers didn't believe in him. And if his brothers didn't believe in him, when the Holy Spirit would come, she would not be present. Mary would not be, that's his mother, would not be present on the day of Pentecost. But then we... Then my mind goes to Acts chapter 2, where on the day of Pentecost, it tells us that they're all gathered in this room. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, is present, as well as his brothers. By this time, I think they had realized, oh, wait, okay. I think the, he was the real deal. We now believe in him. Anyways, all of that experience, all of me understanding why he handed his mother over. Because what the Holy Spirit explained to me as I was meditating was that because she had birthed the Messiah, wouldn't it have been a travesty if the woman who birthed the Messiah missed the gift of the Holy Spirit? A gift that her son was freely given to all his disciples. 
But that can't happen if you don't spend time in the word of God, meditate on the word of God and ask, and even as you meditate, ask the Holy Spirit questions. It is vitally important if you're going to, if he's going to help your revelation because the Bible tells us in, I think it is Luke 24 verse 45. It says that he on he opened their minds to the scriptures is the Holy spirit that will open your mind to the scriptures because you, and you know, in that case, it was Jesus that was there, but the, the, the Holy spirit is like Jesus here for us. Cause Jesus said, I will go away and I will send you somebody else and he will come and take my place. So the Holy spirit is here taking Jesus's place. His job is to reveal the scriptures to you. This is why we take in the word of God. And these are just some practical steps that you can take to take in the word of God so that that way you can really become a mature believer, a mature Christian, one who knows the word, who is not tossed about by every wave of doctrine, but is settled and secure that when pastors say something, you can go back like the Bereans, you can go back and check. This, that's found in Acts chapter 17, I believe it's verse 11. They, they said the Bereans heard what Paul was saying and every day would, they would open the scriptures and check if what he said was true. You have a responsibility for your own growth to check that what you hear is true. You don't have to believe me. Open the Bible and check that what I have said is true. And if it is not true, feel free to put it aside and take what is true, the word of God. I hope that as you have heard this Bible study, that it has literally begun to ignite in you a hunger for the word of God, that you are desiring the word of God even more. I pray that as you read the word of God, the eyes of your understanding are enlightened, that you come to know God and grow intimate with him in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen.